Gracious Lord, thank you for immersing us in your love. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I wonder what you remember about your baptism. Now, it could be that it was so long ago or you were so young that you don't remember anything about it. I was baptized when I was seven months old, so I take it on trust that it really happened. The only photo I've ever seen of it is one of my parents and godparents holding me at the front of a church that I have no memory of. Some of you, though, were baptized when you were older, and you do have memories to reflect on, and perhaps there are some who have not yet been baptized. You might reflect on the questions that you still have about baptism. Whether you can recall your baptism or not, though, the question that matters is not what do you remember, but rather how do you remember? Regardless of what happened on the day of your baptism, what matters is that it happened. A baptism in a kitchen sink is just as valid and holy as one in the Jordan River or at a church's font or in a swimming pool. You might know your godparents, or maybe they were just friends of your parents at the time and you have not heard from them in decades. It could have been a picture-perfect baptism in a family baptismal gown or a frantic emergency baptism in a hospital room when time appeared short. None of these sorts of details, though, are important. What matters is the transforming and renewing grace of baptism. And so how we remember and claim our baptismal identity matters far more than any of those logistics. In just a bit, we will have the joy of baptizing Alice Plumley into the body of Christ. And I can't wait for that moment. But if you have not been baptized yet and you're feeling that nudge of the Spirit to come to the waters of new birth on this day on which we remember the baptism of our Lord, then when I invite the candidate for baptism forward, you are also welcome to join us. It's not about whether or not we planned for that. It's about receiving God's grace that is always on offer. And what better moment than now than to embrace the grace of God? So now that you can tell your friends that there was an altar call at the Episcopal Church, <laughs> let's consider how it is we remember our baptisms and how baptism transforms us. One way to remember your baptism is to find your baptismal certificate, if you can, and display it somewhere prominently and proudly. Hanging in my office, I have three diplomas and two ordination certificates. But the most important thing on my walls is my baptismal certificate. Now, most of them are quite small, but don't let the size fool us. Baptism is at the very center of our identity. Now, of course, at St. Luke's, we strive to do all things well. So the certificate that Alice is getting is larger, suitable for framing. <laughs> but whatever yours looks like, Find it if you can and display it. And then when you find it, get the date of your baptism from it and put that date on your calendar so that every year when your baptismal anniversary rolls around, you can be particularly mindful on that day of all the ways in which God's love has been present in your life. Other people find it helpful to put a note near their shower or sink, places we touch water, that says, you are baptized 
as a way of recalling how God's blessings flow all around us. And later in the liturgy today, when we baptize Alice, really pay attention to the words and the prayers and the actions and know that they are all true for you as well. In a word, baptism is about union. The go-to biblical passage about this comes from Romans chapter 6. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. In other words, we have been united to the saving grace of Jesus' passion. His righteousness becomes ours, which means, therefore, we are also raised in the power and the glory of his resurrected reality. Being united to Christ, that means that we are never abandoned, regardless of the things that we have done and left undone. It means that we are never alone, not even in our doubts, pains, struggles, or death. And it means that because we are united to Christ, we are, by extension, connected to all others who are in Christ. Contrary to what you have heard, water is thicker than blood because our connection to one another comes not from a family tree, but by being joined in beloved community by Christ's death and resurrection. And what happens as a result of this union with Christ is that we are endowed with the Holy Spirit. To be clear, those who are not yet baptized, they still belong to God because they are a part of God's creation. They are still loved by God because we are all children of a God who loves as fiercely and tenderly as a mother does. They are still moved by the Holy Spirit because the breath of life is what animates us all. What is sacramental and unique in baptism is that this union is publicly declared and the Spirit is given to dwell in us. The Holy Spirit is not something that occasionally gives us a nudge or inspires us or guides us. No, the Spirit is endowed to us. It belongs to us. Or better yet, we belong to the Spirit, for it is the Spirit who gives us life. In baptism, we are assured that this Holy Spirit is always with us. It is a spirit of charity, forbearance, childlike faithfulness, generosity, hopefulness, justice, and love. And there are two ways that we can think about having this gift of the Holy Spirit. One could actually be to see it as a burden, but it is not. But we could think, oh my goodness, I have the Holy Spirit in me? I had better use this gift properly. And I get that. The Spirit is such a tremendous gift, we should want to be good and faithful stewards of this gift. But as we heard in Matthew, Jesus was baptized to fulfill all righteousness meaning that we don't have to worry about getting it right because Jesus got it right for us. We heard Isaiah speak about the servant of God who comes not to break a reed that is already stressed and bruised, and he has not come to extinguish a wick that is already struggling to burn. The gospel is not a burden. Belief is not a to-do list. Faith is not a competition. Baptism is not signing up to serve on a church committee. Jesus knows we all have our worries, concerns, doubts, and distractions. 
Jesus is the one who comes to us and says, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying a heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Yeah, it's true. There are injustices for us to address. There are enemies to forgive. There are people to love. But being endowed with the Holy Spirit does not burden us with more things to do. Rather, the Spirit makes us capable of responding to things that otherwise would overwhelm us. It's not that we are responsible for doing all these things as if the salvation of the world was our duty. Rather, the Spirit makes us responsible, able to respond to the needs of the world in Jesus' name. This is what Isaiah speaks of, that the Spirit will make us a light to the nations, to open the eyes of the blind and liberate prisoners from their captivity. Sometimes baptism is called enlightenment. It's why the Paschal candle is burning. The Paschal candle represents Easter. And when we get back there, we will light a small candle from the Paschal candle and give that to Alice. That's another way that you can remember your baptism. If you have one of those candles at home, when your baptismal anniversary rolls around, light it. By the Spirit, our vision is enlightened, transformed. We no longer see ourselves or others as our mistakes. We no longer see death as something that is final. We no longer see scarcity, but recognize God's abundance. We no longer accept any situation as hopeless. No person is irredeemable. No injustice as acceptable. Now, yes, it is far easier to just remain blind to the plight of others, to the ways in which our comforts come at a cost to others, to the systems of oppression and prejudice that we all benefit from. But the light of the Holy Spirit takes away our blinders, lets us seeing all things in the light of Christ. This is why Christians can see, name, and confront hard and difficult things, because this light shines and gives us hope. When considering issues as complicated and intractable as poverty, cancer, climate change, war, racism, or the future of the church, it is so tempting to just give in to despair or willful ignorance. But because we have been endowed with the Holy Spirit, we have eyes to see that God has more possibilities in store than we can imagine. We have trust that indeed God is doing something new, as we heard Isaiah prophesy. And this is why we remind ourselves and others to come and see. God is always bringing forth the fruits of the resurrection. And if we have eyes to see it, we can taste and share the goodness of the Lord. And with this light, we are able to follow Jesus into our salvation from all those things that hold us back from the life of abundance that God intends for us. Later this afternoon, we're going to have an acolyte training. And there is a sense that all of us who are baptized are called to be acolytes. The word acolyte, it means follower. We are all meant to follow Christ. And often, you know this, the acolytes carry a light because we are all bearers of the light of Christ so that others can see that light shining in us and follow Christ. We all have a light, and by God's grace, we're gonna let it shine. I think of that new icon panel that is hanging over in our chapel. It has an image of Harriet Tubman in it, holding a lantern. 
as she leads others into freedom, reminding us that God's time is always near. I think of Elizabeth Duncan Koontz, who we remember this weekend on the anniversary of her death 34 years ago. Libby's is a legacy of being endowed with the Spirit and leading others into the liberation of the gospel. And I think of you all, and I thank you all for the glimpses of the light of Jesus that shines in your lives. Truly, you all inspire me. And I use that word very deliberately because inspire is related to the word for spirit. When I say you inspire me, I mean that you fill me with the spirit and you give me hope. And already, with her joy and her lively spirit, Alice inspires me. And I can't wait to see how else the Holy Spirit is going to move in her life and be an inspiration to us all. God has chosen not to be God without us, but God with us. We are all endowed with the Spirit to guide others to the shimmering brilliance of God's love. Again, baptism is all about being united to Jesus. And because we are united to Jesus, what is true of him is true of us. Just as the Spirit descended on Jesus, we have been endowed with that very same Spirit. And what that voice of heaven declared about Jesus is true of each of us as well. You are God's beloved daughter. You are God's beloved son. And with you, God is well pleased.